Welcome back to the Bet for Scoff DFS show here at none other than Bet for Scoff. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, and the gang is back together for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. First up, splits himself none other than Ron Kloss. Ron, how's it going? Doing good. Yeah, great to be back together with you guys. Uh, really enjoyed the Honda last week. Uh, just seeing like an unknown rookie like Eric Cole battle a tour veteran like Chris mm-hmm. Kirk and uh, just related to the news today, like it's, it's battles like this that I think are going to be lost if the tour really does get rid of these cuts at a lot of these events. So that's another story. Um, but yeah, this week, you know, lots of important decisions uh, need to be made here. We've got the big three on top of the board, another stacked field. Of course, we have, you know, possible waves stacking advantages with the wind forecast. So uh, lots to discuss for sure. Any quick thoughts, by the way, because I saw how passionate you were on the new PGA Tour rules set to come into play next year. But any quick thoughts on the on the cuts? Yeah, nothing's official yet. You know, I'm, I'm already seeing things like, you know, it might just be these elevated events. You know, some of the other events will still have cuts. So I guess it's probably better just to kind of wait and see. But, yeah, I think it, it just kind of gets rid of the, the meritocracy of, you know, players having to battle each week. And, you know, just look at Tiger Woods at the Genesis. You know, like he he battled to make that cut. And, uh, you know, I just think that's something that is really not not a good thing for the tour if that goes away, especially for – you know, most of the fans, I think, want to have cuts. So, And I mentioned the gang being back together, of course. That means we are a trio again because also here is the host of the Back Nine Bets podcast, the model maniac himself, Byron Lindicue. Byron, good to have you back from the Hawaii sun. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I got a little sunburnt on day one, right before I could even throw some sunscreen on at uh, 8.30 in the morning. But that is the nature of the beast over there out in the middle of the Pacific. So things are doing good, but came back to some interesting news like you guys have discussed already. And uh, I typically try and temper my expectations too and just see see what happens eventually when they make a clear-cut decision. But I do think Ron's correct. You know, as a fan, we want the cuts. But I think what the PGA Tour is definitely looking to do is take care of the 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 product that they put out there on the two feet and and hopefully those guys can stick around and avoid going to live and and other such places and and uh hopefully just you know keep them happy so that we can be happy eventually at some point maybe if not i'm sure we will talk about that more in the future but right now there's a lot to get into for dfs this week because this year's arnold palmer invitational at bay hill is the strongest field by far to date Uh, As you mentioned in your course preview, Ron, the entire top 30 in the FedEx Cup rankings are here. Every single tour winner so far this year is here as well in this field. Uh, This course, of course, at Bay Hill features the highest percentage of penalty strokes on tour over the last three years. And as you also noted, I think uh, was one of your most important notes in your course preview, over 36% of approach shots at this course have come from over 200 yards. So we are prioritizing uh, accurate, long iron hitters but what else ron when you start building for dfs this week are you factoring in heavily yeah so i mean this is a classical floor style golf course you know has length bermuda grass thick rough uh, firm and fast greens all the the numerous bunkers water hazards um so yeah so course knowledge is big this week you know data golf uh, has it as being the fourth most predictive course so that's really big for me there's a handful of guys who just have not played here much and so that is definitely going to have some effect on, on whether I play them or not. Uh, I think total driving, both distance and accuracy, that combination is important off the tee. 
like you said, a long iron accuracy, especially from over 200 yards, like every single par three, I think it, the par threes average around 215 yards. So you add four par fives, you're going to see a lot of, of long iron shots. Uh, par five scoring, I think, is really big this week. Lots of players uh, were quoted as saying, you pretty much have to birdie those par five holes because those are the four easiest holes on the course. Those other 14 holes are just monsters. And so uh, I think that's going to be big this week. Again, being able to scramble, especially if the wind picks up, like they're saying, um, being able to scramble in kind of thicker rough. Um, so those are kind of the main uh, qualities uh, for success here. And, uh, you know, Victor Hovland even said, you know, half the holes, he's just trying to make a par. So this is kind of similar to Riviera, um, PGA National last week. You know, it's, it's not going to be a birdie fest. Uh, players are going to be scrambling. And uh, obviously, if the wind does increase, uh, like we're kind of seeing on Friday and Saturday, uh, it's going to make it that much tougher. And right now, Byron, as we look, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, Ron, but I don't think there's a wave advantage, at least right now. Um, afternoon on Thursday, it seems like there's going to be double-digit wins. and the morning, it's going to be very calm. So maybe there's a little bit of an advantage if you're avoiding that like 14 to 18 mile per hour winds that's right now is projected on Friday, giving that a slight advantage to the afternoon wave um, on Thursday. But overall, Byron, what else are you looking at? Yeah. Predicting the wind is just a, a mystery for me. I'm yeah. never, ever really good at it. But you would imagine that the, the wave advantage would be um, AM, PM, AM, I think, mm -hmm. is what we're looking at. But I'm also looking for, with this wind, around the green play. Absolutely essential this week. I think, you know, the greening regulations are going to be extremely low compared to the usual uh, percentages we see at this venue. And then also, like Ron said, course history is key, but it also gives you a good opportunity to play some game theory. And um, there's guys that I was looking at that you don't have to have the best course or course history at all in order to play well here. There have been players that have played well in their first go round, and I'm totally okay jumping in on a good golfer that's got good comps like Murfield Village, um, Quail Hollow, a few other places that have long, thick rough on longer golf courses, which I'll, I'll be using as a comp for course history replacement for guys that haven't played yet before like jt and um, cantley and places like that so well let's get right into it because at the top with john rom 11.5 and then a 600 dip on DraftKings to scotty scheffler at 10.9 and rory at 10.6 i think is where we start the conversation because the next closest man max homa is all the way down 900 cheaper on DraftKings at 9700 so you basically, if you start at the top of one of those three five-digit guys, you're already building differently. And in my opinion, Byron, we'll start with you. I think Rom is going to be the contrarian play here, probably around 10 to 12%, in my opinion, just given how tough it is to fit him in as the only 11K-plus individual. And right now, I also think Rory will probably get steamed. I think that's actually where everyone's going to start if they pay up in this range. So go ahead and sell me on a player you would be overweight on among these three if you build lineups that way. Yeah, I'd probably lean on Scotty. He's going to fall, as always, right in the middle of the two there. I think the mm -hmm. course history is undeniable. Um, he's he's not going to get as steamed, I don't think, as Rory, especially as a $300 um, increase to his price. I love, I love that he's actually putting well because I think we're going to have to scramble incredibly well this week i think with this wind and rory having lost strokes putting in eight consecutive rounds since showing up on the pga tour this year 
is a little concerning to me, and he never really putted that well here last year either. He had some inconsistencies on the green, so I'm okay skipping him for that exact reason. I think Scotty's putter and ball striking are just super consistent for me right now, and, and I really like him as a little bit discount off John Rahm too. And we think Rory's going to get steamed, Ron, because of his course history. So speak a little bit on Rory. Uh, I know you are high on how well he's played. Yeah, and I'll kind of repeat what I've said with a lot of these other elevated events is where you have so much talent just stacked here on the top of the board. The strategy that I've, I've kind of found very successful is to, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, you have to pick one, you have to pick two, you can't play all three. I'm playing all three of these guys. Um, no. I'm going to take my I'm going to take my stands further on down the board. There's some guys that I'm going to be uh, a lot overweight on. So for me, Rory is is the guy here. And, yeah, I, I see his ownership, as you said, kind of climbing as we go. But I think he's motivated. I think, you know, seeing Rom win so much, we saw Scotty just win at Phoenix. So, you know, he's coming off, you know, in his mind, kind of two disappointing performances, 32nd, 29th. Like Byron said, he's lost over eight strokes putting in those two events. Uh, but the good news, he's, he's gaining 14 T to green in those two. Um, here at Bay Hill, of course, he has this amazing course history where he is averaging uh, over 2.3 shots per round, over 32 career rounds. Um, and also he's gaining over a half a stroke putting here in those 32 rounds. So he knows these greens. Um, and if the putts just start to fall even a little bit, <clears throat> I see uh, Rory as kind of obviously being being the guy to beat here. Of course, you can't go wrong with John Rahm. I mean, he's gaining a staggering 3.3 strokes over his last 36 rounds. Um, you know, last year was the first time he ever played this course, and he lost 5.4 strokes ball striking. I'm sorry, short game. So his short game was off last year. Um, he finished 17th. But guess what? Last 36 rounds, he has the best short game in this entire field. So whatever struggles he had, he's turned around. And, and yeah, like Byron said, like Scotty's probably going to be the lowest owned here. And he's just so steady, so consistent. Like when you look at his recent results, I mean, he hasn't finished outside the top 12. I mean, we're going back here seven months since he finished outside the top 12. So um, I'm going to play all three. Probably will be heaviest on Rory, though. Of course, if you don't start there, you can also build a lineup by stacking in the 9Ks. And that's kind of where I'm at right now whenever I talk about single entry and three max in tournaments because we have Homa at the top at 9.7 who in this field over the last month is averaging the fewest putts per round. Uh, JT, of course, at 9.6. Colin Morikawa at 9,500 uh, who leads over the last month this entire field in driving accuracy. Willie Z, I guess, will probably gain some ownership as well at 9,400. Um, Shoffle, 92, I think is a name that stands out. Cantley and Hovland rounding out the 9K. So, Byron, go ahead and start with your favorite play, if not multiple plays, in this tier. Yeah, big fan of Max Homer this week. I don't know why people are kind of not on him that much. I He's he's playing so well. He's trending mm -hmm. in the, like the best direction. And if you take a look at his course history – He's actually had a really solid three outings out here. And that was as Max Homer of world ranking 44th, world ranking 100, whatever that was back when he was here. Now he's world number eight and playing at world number five, world number four type level. So love what he's got going on here. And he seems like he's going to be a little less popular than even Willie Z, who I think Max has got a much better short game than Will Zalatoris. Although, and Willie Z is going off in that, in that later um, wave on, in the less opportune wave. So I love Max. And then Justin Thomas is going to be the same concept for me. I love JT when the wind starts blowing. I think his P 
pure talent to just get the ball through the wind onto the green into the hole is some of the best in the field. Yeah, out of everyone, um, outside of maybe Jordan Spieth, who we'll get to. But love JT's natural ability to just handle wind exceptionally well. And his ball striking has been rather poor lately, which I think he can easily bounce back with. We've seen him play well in the wind before. So I really like those two guys here at the top. I also popped in some outright tickets on Monday immediately for Morikawa and Homa, two players I'm very high on in this range, even for DFS. Ron, what about your favorite plays in this tier? Yeah, I completely agree with Byron. Um, I don't understand why. You know, I think people with Homa are, you know, he has this this narrative that he's, he's so good on the West Coast, and now here we are in Florida. Um, and so maybe things are going to change. But I just think the, the dramatic improvement that he's made with this game, I mean, when you just look across the board, like off the tee approach, I mean, short game, just everything he's, he's gotten so much better at. And I think he's a top five player in the world right now. So I don't, I don't see him taking any steps back. <clears throat> um, Zalatoris is, is, is my guy down here. Um, you know, there were injury concerns. I think he's kind of put those to rest, you know, when he finished fourth at the Genesis, gaining almost eight strokes ball striking. He gained every metric that tournament. Um, and he's, you know, when I run my stuff, he's the best player in these types of events where we have strong fields combined with a difficult course. Like he's playing like almost three quarters of a stroke above his baseline on these courses. He's, he's flat out said he loves the challenge of difficult scoring courses. And another thing to think about is he's one of the best lag putters when we get on huge greens and these greens are 7,500 square feet on average. Um, and so I think that's another thing, you know, people often talk about his putting weaknesses. Well, he's made a lot of improvements and he does putt better on, on greens that are bigger. So I think that's another thing to consider. And then finally I'll stop with, uh, with Xander at 92, you know, I don't know if he's going to win this week, probably not, but his all around game is just so solid. He has no weaknesses. Uh, when you look at, um, his last 15 events, he's finished in the top 20 and 13 of them. So he's just so steady um, every single week. And, you know, if you're looking for more of a, a safe play guy, who's probably going to finish in the top 20, no matter what, um, I think you, uh, you can't go wrong with, with Xander. Xander, uh, as you mentioned, a terrific cash game play, just given the fact that also leads this field and strokes gained on approach over the last three months. What about Ron, a player you're not afraid to fade in this range, someone that, you consider getting steamed right now early midweek. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly where Canley is at Patrick Canley right now, but mm -hmm. um, you know, I put a tweet out a little bit ago. I just, you know, there's also a narrative about him. Well, he plays once he gets East of the Mississippi river, you know, he gets off POA, his game struggle. So kind of went event by event. <clears throat> and when you look at it, um, I can't remember how many events there are, there are at least somewhere around 12 to 13 events. And he's got like six or seven missed cuts. Um, he typically does not play well on Bermuda. He, he hasn't even played this course before. And there's a reason why he just does not feel comfortable for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if it's a Southeast thing, if it's a Bermuda thing, uh, but um, he's a guy that I am definitely not playing any of it. And JT's JT's a close one for me. I just think with, with Zalatoris and, and even Homa there, um, I'm probably not going to play much JT either. He's another guy who's only played here once. Um, and so I, I just not – I don't think he's on with his approach game right now. He's been struggling recently. So um, Thomas and Canley are two guys I'm definitely fading in this range. Byron, same question to you. Someone you're fading in this tier. Colin Marikawa in the wind. No mm. good. 
That's just, not fun considering I'm going to be yeah, overweight. I know. I was curious as to what you had to say about that. And I'll let you maybe give me an argument against what I'm just saying about the wind thing there, but I don't like him in the wind at all. Is there Ron data on your end about Morikawa, like in the wind or Morikawa on Florida? Something suggesting that he would not play well at this course outside of his um, Yeah, I can, I, I can pull that up here. Um, I know in Florida, uh, in my model, he ranks 17th in the field in Florida. So, you know, he won at, uh, if you remember, at Concession, uh, which mm-hmm. uh, I believe uh, was the WGC event a few years ago. He won there. Um, but uh, in my win data, I have him. Uh, so f- when wins are 15-plus miles an hour, um, I have him ranked 25th in the field. So he is not horrible, uh, probably a little bit below his baseline. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, – I'm probably going to play him right at whatever the ownership level is just to get a little bit of him because I think his ball striking is going to is gonna play here. His, his long iron 200-plus is just really good. So uh, I'm not going to be overweight or anything on him, but uh, he'll, he'll definitely be in my player pool. Okay. Interesting. Good contrarian thoughts there. As we move down though, Byron, I will give you the privilege of starting off and talking and selling or playing devil's advocate about Sung JM because obviously in the 10 Ks last week in a weak field now on DraftKings gets pushed down to eight, nine, given a top heavy tournament of players. So what are you doing with Sung JM knowing he probably will be highly rostered given the price discrepancy from last week and just how well he's playing now. Right. And his course history is phenomenal too. But I don't know. Do you think everyone, the 30%, 35% of people that played him last week are going to go back to him? I don't Gosh, know. Gosh, and, and like in mid and high stakes, I know in the, the 2K tournament on DraftKings, he was like 50, 60% rostered too. So I don't think we get that. Uh, Ron does DFS projections for us, uh, has them out usually Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, and when they're more accurate and up to date. But right now, I, I honestly think he will be roughly 25 to 30%. I yeah. could be wrong well, on that number. Yeah, I could be wrong. I know. I'm using different different numbers to you. That I'm seeing around about 14, 15-ish, but okay. that's you know neither here or there. And I think we do different tournaments too. I think I'm not nearly in your price bracket there. So I'm I'm speaking for the people. Um, I do I do. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, Sung Jim, I like him. I love the course history. You know everything about his game seems nice, but it seems like the majority of this top 8K range is going to be going off in that in that crappy tier of the the wave stack there, which is going to be interesting, but I'd I'd rather go to Jordan Spieth. I just love his ability to play great golf in wind and, and just rely on that natural ability to get the ball in the hole. So he's going to be one of my favorite players in this range. And then um, a little bit of Tom Kim as always, but um, I'm out on, I'm not necessarily focused too much on this range that much. That is your name. Tom Kim as always. Uh, I like a few players in this range. Uh, you know, Jason Day's recent performance stands out to me, especially his putting here, I think, as well. Um, at 8,500, but Ron, who else are you looking at? Of course, there's Matthew Fitzpatrick at 88. Uh, Jordan Spieth at 86, if you want to go down there. Teal Hatton, I think it gets really interesting in the low eights with him at 8-3. Hideki, who we are hearing some potential rumors of a neck injury um, maybe suffered. Uh, you could speak more on that, Ron, at 8-2. And then, of course, Sam Burns at 8-1 as well. Yeah, the uh, Hideki tracker came out and said uh, he basically had an interview saying that his neck was still causing him some pain and that he he was just hoping to get through the week. So um, I'm probably going to be off him with news like that. Um, you kind of got Matt Fitzpatrick in the same boat. Um, you know, uh, some news just – came out a little bit earlier that Fitzpatrick said his neck is getting better. 
Um, not 100% yet, but better than it was at Riviera where he uh, missed the cut. So this course, and, and that's with, Fitz, with Fitzpatrick, you know, this is a perfect course for him. He actually has the second best course history here after McElroy. Um, so kind of, you know, I don't know where his ownership um, is at the moment. Let me see. It's, you know, right around 9, 10% right now. So he could be a great leverage play mm -hmm. um, if his neck kind of is recovering enough. So, um, you know, I think this course does fit his game perfectly where, you know, you have to be good off the tee. Um, obviously his approach game is what's been lacking recently, but just his ability to scramble his player on the greens, uh, windy conditions, one of the best wind players in this field. Um, so like him, Sanjay is my guy though. Um, I think I'm also seeing ownership with him right around 14% right now. So um, I just think so many people are going to be off him after last week. And he actually finished third in my entire model for the week. Um, off the tee approach. Um, I know he's lost slightly on approach two weeks in a row. Uh, but if you look at his history here, I just think, again, going back to that course history narrative, you know, 20th, 21st, and then he had back-to-back -back top threes. So something about this course fits his game. Of course, he is the king of Bermuda. Um, he loves playing on, on this type of grass, loves playing in Florida, uh, is the top player in my field in my Florida rankings. Um, and then I'll finish with Cameron Young. You know, I think the off the tee game, um, he should be able to gain plenty of strokes here. He's just so consistent. I think it's been um, 13 straight events he's gained off the tee, 13th here last year. And, uh, you know, he's been kind of having these kind of middling results lately. Uh, but I think this could be the week where, you know, he turns it around. So I, I do like Young as well. Anything stands out to you, Ron, on Keith Mitchell as well at 8K? He's someone that kind of popped. Uh, it seems like a low salary, especially for how well he's playing. We know two top fives in his last three tournaments, four consecutive made cuts, and like honestly competing in two of those. So anything stand out to you with Keith Mitchell at 8K? Because he's also someone that's popped up and on radar. Yeah, I think he's a real solid play. Um, you know, of course, he's one of the best off the tee players here. Mm -hmm. uh, another guy who is very similar to uh, guys like Fitzpatrick and, and Sung J.M. who love to play on Bermuda. Um, you know, he finished 61st last year, 43rd the year before. And again, you can look at that. And obviously those two fields here were not as strong as this week. Um, but again, his game is also similar to Max Homa. You know, he's another guy who's just made so many improvements uh, with his all around game. And so I think he's a good play. Um, I'm, Still trying to decide, you know, I'm seeing his ownership jumping up a few percentage points uh, today compared to yesterday, right around 15% right now. So, um, you know, I kind of like Sam Burns a little bit more. And even Terrell Hatton, you know, a lot of people, kind of a narrative I've kind of noticed here is there's a lot of Europeans who tend to play well here, whether it's the wind, whether it's the firm and fast conditions. Um, but, you know, Terrell Hatton, as we, when we get a little lower to Tommy Fleetwood, he's another guy that stands out to me, but um, I think Haddon has just been so consistent. And I think Haddon might be the best value um, on this entire slate. And, of course, that probably means his ownership is going to be high, and I've got him kind of right around 17 18%. So you might have to swallow a little bit of that, but I think that's going to be some good chalk this week um, playing Terrell Haddon. Byron, I will let you start the 7Ks where there are a load of players, Tommy Fleetwood, who Ron mentioned, included. Uh, I will be flag planning Tom Hoagie is one of my favorite plays here. Um, top 10 on tour so far this year in approach from 200 plus yards, both from the fairway and the rough. We just need a few putts to fall and that would help. And then I also want to be higher on, uh, oh no, who else I was going to mention was Shane Lowry, of course, the other 
10K guy in a poor field last week, but did get there with a top five finish next to Sung JM. So go ahead and start us off in the 7Ks. Yeah, I'm going to be feasting in this range. I've got four outrights that are sitting right between $7,600 and $7,400. So I'm probably mm. going to play the majority of them. I'm just kind of hoping with the wind going crazy, I'm just going to, I said it two weeks or a week ago on my, on my podcast, pivot your face off because this wind's going to cause so much volatility. I think you're just going to play the numbers game from ownership because there's guys that are going to be like Justin Rose, for instance, Keegan Bradley, Tommy Fleetwood. I'm looking for guys that, have solid ball striking, but can also get up and down and got incredible course history at two. Justin Rose, if you dial back the clock to 2011 through 2018, when Justin Rose was playing really good golf, kind of like what he's doing now, he rattled off three top three finishes here. And I think six out of seven of them were top 15s or something ridiculous. He's just got incredible course history. In 2021, he withdrew after gaining seven strokes on the field which I don't think is going to pop up to people if they're looking for finishing position. So he's going to come in here with a win at Pebble in windy conditions. He's a great putter. I think he scrambles very well, does great on hard golf courses. Love all of that. And the same goes for Seamus Power. He's done seven or eight starts in a row now of top 25 finishes since he's won at Butterfield Bermuda. Hmm. And he's one of these guys that shows up at these tough courses, kind of like a Will Zalatoris. I think he had two... Two of his majors last year were T12 and T9. So he loves a big, tough golf course with an immense field. Sign me up for Seamus Power. And then Tommy Fleetwood and Keegan Bradley, I think, are going to be quite popular plays in this range just for the multitude of reasons, ball striking and around the green plane. Keegan's course history is just sensational. Yeah. So love those four guys in particular. Um, maybe a little bit of Taylor Montgomery there in the mix too. The model breaker himself, Taylor Montgomery. Uh, not yeah. only Hoagie, I'm also going to mix up some Gary Woodland. He also recently, at least, uh, past six weeks, top five in strokes game on approach here. The only issue, of course, because I mentioned with him last week as well, is that he is putting so ridiculously bad the last three months. It is awful. But I think his play on approach can, with long irons can definitely help here. So I'll mix him in at 7,400. Ron, what about you in this range? Because I know you mentioned in your betting article both Fleetwood and Keegan Bradley as well. Yeah, so like I said earlier, if I'm gonna have to, if I'm playing a lot of guys up top, I'm gonna have to take uh, some stands and be really aggressive down here. And, and yeah, mm -hmm. this is the range, kind of like Byron said. You know, even starting with Corey Connors at 7,800. You know, he's he's a top 15 player in the wind in this field. You know, great ball striker. Again, a guy who puts his best on Bermuda. So again, coming back to that putting angle, and we we've seen plenty of guys win and even have success here, finishing top 10, top 15, who are not good putters. So putting is kind of devalued this week. Uh, in my rankings. Another guy that kind of fits that, Keegan Bradley. Um, I don't think he's ever missed a cut here. I think 10 trips to Bay Hill, never missed a cut. Um, Fleetwood, like I said before, another guy who plays really good in the wind. Um, I think he has had kind of, you know, he's had this, again, another narrative about him is he just doesn't play well, you know, in America. Um, I think, you know, three top tens here, 20th last year. He's only missed one cut ever here. Um, so I can kind of see him um, having a great week, and I think that's another great value price at 7,500. Um, just going down the list here, I completely agree with you on Woodland. And as bad as you know, like you said, his putting has been, you know, his ball striking—he uh, gained so many shots on approach last week. Um, I think kind of the, this course fits him very well. You know, he finished fifth here last year. Um, Luke List, another guy, another team no put, uh, gained an amazing 13 strokes ball striking at Riviera. 
Of course, I think he lost seven or eight putting, which is very typical of him. But the good news is at Bay Hill, he's made five trips here. He's gained on these greens three out of five times. So maybe a bit of good news. And, and Luke List also tends to play his best golf on these difficult courses. Um, I'll close with two guys. Again, like I said, there's a lot of guys here. I think Minwoo Lee um, is a guy who at 7,300, um, just looking at what he's done in Europe, um, he had a good finish on Sunday. Last week, you know, he's kind of still getting used to playing here in the States, but but his talent is off the charts. And I think you could do a whole lot worse at 7,300. I think his upside is just immense here. Um, you know, he's won the Scottish Open, uh, very windy conditions. He's a guy who grew up in Australia, very firm and fast. And I think uh, this course is going to be a really good fit for him. And I will close with, uh, with my guy, Aaron Wise. Um, did a little bit of a deep dive on him earlier. Because, again, he has this narrative where he, he really plays good in these strong field events and on difficult courses. Now, last week, I expected him to have a really good week. Uh, he was one of my favorite choices um, at PJ National. And, of course, he did not have the best of weeks. Made the cut. Um, but um, last week, it was not a strong field. And so this week, I just think something about the competition. Mm -hmm. And, again, I, I posted a tweet about him. I won't go through all the events he's played. But, basically – his last 12 strong field events, he has not lost strokes. And so um, uh, he's a guy who I'm going to be overweight on, and I think he's going to be very cheap this week. I also know Wise got steamed last week since I'm a man of the people, Byron, in the $20 Millie tournament uh, at 18%. But given his wild scorecard, I mean, that th that opening round in general was a ride of a roller coaster. Oh uh, given that, I think it is the time to actually bounce back and go back to him this yeah. week. But in this range, Byron, since people are going to have to build from here to get some of these top-heavy players – uh, who is a player that you don't mind avoiding in this range that you think could get popular? Whew. In the seven Ks, are we talking? In the about seven that? Ks, because okay. people will definitely be down here, like Ron mentioned, trying just because the the best players are expensive. That's the way it works. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go with I, Gary Woodland. <laughs> so I'm so sorry. I keep talking. No, your guy, don't apologize because, like I said, um, he cannot putt to save his life right now. Right. So it's okay. And. If he's going to be pushing 10-ish double-figure ownership yeah, I'm out on him because I think the ball striking is going to be a little nullified when it comes to having to chip much more. And that's, mm -hmm. like you said, the chipping and putting for Woodland is a big problem. I want someone that's much more um, consistent around the greens, like a, a Christian Bezade notes, you know. Um, and then what did Ron say? He said uh, Luke List as well, same situation. When it gets windy like this, I'm... I'm not necessarily, I don't know if he's going to be that popular though. So that's not necessarily answering your question, but Gary, for sure. You know, anyone that's got good ball striking in the seven K range that has really bad short game. I'm out on Ron. Luke, what about Luke list? Luke list is 99th in my wind ranking. So yeah, not a guy to play if the wind is going to blow. Yeah. Uh, let's first get your fade in the seven K range. Since again, you said you'll be living down here. Who is a player you look at and say, I'm actually not going to roster him despite this being my territory? Yeah, I think there's a couple guys. I think, um, you know, a guy like Justin Rose coming off that victory a couple weeks ago, I think, I think some ownership, only about 8% right now, but I think uh, more will kind of start to flock to him a little bit. Um, going down, I think Taylor Montgomery, people are going to remember kind of how good he was earlier in the year. Very cheap this week, 7,400, but I think he's kind of lost it a little bit. Um, his approach game is still really, really poor. So he's a guy that uh, until he's kind of 
starts to turn it around a little more with the irons and uh, kind of proves he can hang in these strong fields. Uh, he's another guy that just by name value alone, I think a lot of people will uh, maybe start to flock to him this week. You've also mentioned it a couple times, but is there a player, not an elite player, not like a John Rom, that stands out in your win model? Some someone that like maybe we could get value on in DFS because they tend to play better and stronger wins that is not popping at the top. Um. <clears throat> well, and of course, you have all these numbers for everyone at betsbriskoff.com in your betting article. Yep, and uh, we posted. Uh, I post these on the Discord uh, as soon as I do them. So these were posted yesterday. So, um, do we want to talk about Webb Simpson? I mean, I guess we'll get we'll get to him. I guess when we get to the lower ranges, but but he is someone who is one of the better win players in this field. Um, but again, his game is is not typically um, anywhere near. It used to be. Here's a guy I'll give you that um, maybe another great leverage play because he withdrew. Um, allegedly had a stomach ache. Um, Thomas Dietrich, another uh, European guy um, from uh, Belgium who, again, went to the University of Illinois and uh, has just been so consistent up until last week um, on the PGA Tour. Um, he's a guy who's in the top 10 in my win rankings. Um, again, has a lot of uh, experience overseas. And so at 7,200, um, has a great all-around game. Um, he's a guy who, uh, another one I will be uh, trying to take advantage of, along with Christian Bezadenhut, I agree, um, with Byron on him, you know, he's, he's kind of sneaky here. He's got three top 20s, um, and you wouldn't think that because it's a little bit of a longer course. Uh, but when you think about, again, he's another guy who thrives. He's not going to win in a birdie fest. He's never plays well in those events. But here, difficult conditions. It's, it's kind of a, you know, and again, Byron can speak to this, you know, being from South Africa. You know, I just think these international type players, even from there, you know, these, these types of uh, conditions fit their games a lot better than, than some of the American players. Byron? Yeah, no. Love Bezzy. Love the short game. Love every. Love the course history. Love the price. Unfortunately, he's going off early on on, on Thursday. Doesn't really help that much, but we'll see. You know, I, I love him. Yeah, and I've got a T40 bet on him to to crush it. Yeah, at plus one seventy five. So I think he's a he's a nice little bet there for sure. Um, yeah. Let's get to the dumpster diving, the 6Ks. And, Ron, I'll let you go ahead and start because, again, if you're playing Rom or any of these guys, uh, one or two players here is important. So go ahead and kick us off with some of your favorites. So um, I think Taylor Pendrith. Um, I just think, again, I talk about this all the time. When you, when you start getting in the 6K range, you're kind of looking at two things. I'm not looking at recent form as much. I'm looking at course history, number one. And then number two, I'm just looking at overall talent. And I think Taylor Pendrith is probably the overall the most talented guy down here. Um, he is a cup maker. Um, he has kind of over time gradually gotten better in some of these stronger field events. Um, I just think his game off the tee is going to put him in good position. Now the approach game is, is the question. The putting can be inconsistent. Uh, but again, when we're in this range, you know, you're just looking for you know, him to pop just this week, and uh, he has the potential to do that. I think Patrick Rogers, uh, Patrick Rogers uh, has mentioned a lot of times how Bay Hill is one of his favorite courses. Again, kind of another guy who's a bomber off the tee, streaky putter. Um, so I, I like Patrick Rogers at this price, even though, again, he did disappoint a lot of people um, a couple weeks ago. Um, Scott Stallings is another guy, 6,800. Um, uh, Adam Spence, and you, you have a lot of guys down here who have some win equity. Of course, Adam Spence just won recently. Um, you see another young, talented guy, Davis Thompson, at 6,800. Uh, perhaps my favorite guy, though, is at 6,700, uh, Ben Griffin. 
Uh, I've been playing him every single week and I'm going to keep running with him. You know, he's made 10 out of 12 cuts since he's been on tour. He's from North Carolina. Uh, he goes out West and I was kind of expecting him to maybe have some struggles. Hasn't played on pole much in his life, uh, but he goes out there and, uh, you know, he makes, I think three out of four cuts. Um, now he's back home here in the South, uh, finished 21st last week. Uh, so I just think he has a very well-rounded game, and I think at 6,700, um, he's going to be kind of one of my go-to guys uh, down here. Byron, what about you in this range? Kurt Kurayama, bomber, not too shabby around the green, 6,800 bucks. Emiliano Grillo, $6,600. Got the 11th best course history over the last five years. I love myself, Emiliano. And you know what? You didn't have to play that much of him. I see Ron smirking there. It's okay, Ron. I'm going to play a little like 4%. 5% Emiliano Grillo, see what he gets up to. Zach Johnson, also great course history. Uh, um, and I think I like his short game around this kind of a venue. My favorite play, $6,300, Charlie Hoffman. If you go take a peek at old Charlie Hoffman's course history, boy, oh boy, are you going to be surprised. The guy balls out around Bay Hill. And uh, he's actually strung together two events that he's made the cut in, which is always good for Charlie Hoffman at $6,300 leading into an event that he's played well at before. And then my final play down here at $6,200 is going to be Aaron Badley. Love him in windy conditions that you have to rely on short game. Don't love the fact that he's not the lengthiest ball striker in the world, but $6,200, no one's going to be on him. I'm okay playing bads, especially if you're going to have to scramble your face off here. So those are my guys. Hoffman, of course, with a T14 as recently as the Waste Management Open run. So to finish the show, a couple questions here. One, whenever you run everything and put out your lineups, who do you think will be your two highest rostered golfers? Um, I am probably going to be very heavy on Sung JM, um, especially compared to the field. So he's one. Uh, probably... Aaron Wise might not be one of my highest owned, but I think compared to the four to five percent he's coming in now, you know, I'll probably be at least around fifteen percent on Aaron Wise. So trying to triple him up. Um, so I would say those two kind of stand out to me, kind of from different ranges. Um, and I'll, I'll definitely be overweight on uh, Michael Roy as well for sure. Byron, same question for you. Max Homer, Seamus Powers. Let's go. I'm all in Seamus this week. I think he's going to play well. It is Homo for all the reasons we've talked about and Tom Hoagie at 7,300. Those are my two favorites. Also two players I have, as mentioned earlier, outrights on. What about one of your favorite bets for this weekend, Ron? Oh, favorite bets. Uh, let's see here. So, And you, of course, already have a few of them popped into the Discord for everyone at the Bets for Golf Discord. Yeah, so... um. Let's see. I'll, I'll, I've already said Sungjae a bunch here. I, I really like Will Zalatoris, top 20. Just um, He's plus 105 right now. If, I don't know if it's still there at that number, but um, just his consistency in these strong field events. I mean, consistent top 20s every week um, when, when we get into these situations. So I really like Will this week uh, for that price. You mentioned a couple bets throughout the show, Byron, but what about your favorite one? Yeah, Christian Bezade note for a top 40 at plus 175 is just, seems like it's an amazing bet um which what could go wrong with that kind of love for a bet on a show like this but yeah love him and then tommy fleetwood is plus 100 for a top 40 as well which is seems like a fair bet to me as well i love love a little plus money for tommy to finish top 40 
I think we gave more than enough options for both expensive and our favorite cheap plays to get everyone ready for the Honor Palmer Invitational. Ron, anything else you want to leave the people with before we get out of here? Yeah, so I just looked at the weather again, and um, just to touch on this, I know Byron talked about it a little earlier, but it Thursday morning looks really calm, like from seven to ten. Mm-hmm. Um, so people, you know, people are talking about, oh, you, you got to play, you know, PMAM. So it's really calm. It gets, it gets the wind increases from ten to one, and then it drops down later. And then Friday, Friday has gusty winds all day. Um, now the winds in the AM are about eight to ten miles per hour sustained, and the PM. They do increase to about 12 to 15 miles per hour sustained. So I think there is, if I had to say right now, there definitely is an advantage uh, to PM AM, but I, I don't really think it's as big as, as a lot of people out there are making it out to be. But yeah, just, I would encourage everyone to keep monitoring that. I don't, I don't, I do not make a single DraftKings lineup until this evening. I think that's the smartest way to do it. Just until you get a, a more complete uh, picture of the weather. So Byron, what about you? Yeah. And with, and just to double down on what Ron said there with this weather coming in, you never know if guys are going to be playing on Saturday morning to finish out their second round. So feel free to get a little frisky and, and kind of stack a lineup or two. That's got a super late tea time in the PM on, on, on Friday. You never know if those guys are going to only play half their round and then the wind blows them off the course and they have to finish up the rest of it in a much calmer conditions, maybe on the following day. These are all hypotheticals. It's DFS. You got to take a shot at edges where you can, and and you know that's what we had to talk about. So just giving people options, frisky or not, there they are. And of course, everything we discuss can be found at betspriscoff.com, where articles and bets, everything we've done so far, is waiting for you. Ron will also have DFS ownership projections up on the site later on. But until then, we will be back next week. Good luck to everyone. We'll see you then.